Duke fans, hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are coming to you real early. Uh, it is Sunday, March 10th. We're recording. Daylight we savings be, time sucks. Day, Daylight savings time. Oh. We, yeah, we had to spring forward uh, into the future an hour just to bring you this podcast. Uh, because of that, uh, I'm, I'm here. My, I'm the host of Sweet, Donald Wine, uh, recording from D.C., which is on the East Coast. Jason is here uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Jason, how's it going? Uh, wow, it was a bad week for Duke. That's yeah, that's, that's how it's going. <laughs> Can we wrap that's it up? About right. Let's just wrap it up. It was a bad week. Let's wrap, wrap it up. <laughs> All right, that was episode 152. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's just the two of us this week. Sam is on vacation uh, somewhere uh, with Section 5 uh, in, around the world somewhere. He's in Zurich right now. He's Sam in Zurich. Wandering, he's wandering the streets of Zurich, wondering what to do. And Donald, you had a great recommendation, didn't you? Yes, uh, I've actually been, been to Zurich and... Uh, the FIFA Museum is there, which is actually kind of cool. You get to see all uh, all the jerseys for all 200 teams, and there's an interactive part. It only takes him about hours, so I recommended that to him. We'll see if he actually does it. He'll now, for, the next week, but... for the FIFA Museum, your your admission price, what percentage of that goes to bribes and what percentage goes to the museum? Uh, so basically, <laughs> the, the interactive part, you only pay like, I think, 25 bucks. Uh, but as you go through, uh, they start – collecting money from you ever so slightly here, here, and here. So you end up paying like 85 bucks by the end of it because of bribes. There you go. <laughs> That's FIFA. But you know what? That's FIFA. Uh, we could talk all day about FIFA, but you know what? Let's talk about some some basketball that was played this week, apparently. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, the game that occurred last night. Uh, Duke went to Chapel Hill uh, for a rematch against the North Carolina Tar Heels, and we lost 79 to 70. Also included in that, uh, and I'm going to start with this, Jason, because there's a lot we can unpack, but I'm going to start with the injury to Marquise Bolden about two minutes and 30 seconds into the game. He came down awkwardly on his left knee, trying to block a shot, landed on the basketball stanchion, um, got called for a foul, even though he did secure a block, in my opinion, uh, but had to be helped off the court, did not return to the game. He returned to the bench in the second half, but did not play. Um, Jason. Can we have a game where nobody gets hurt? Or is this something that we're just going to have to deal with where somebody, including a starter, gets hurt every single game? Uh, I I saw uh, a fabulous stat that is very uh, indicative of what Duke's season has been prior to the start of this game. And this is a stat that that will clearly continue for at least a couple more weeks because I, I expect Marquise Bolden, um, uh, you know, if he's able to come back this year, it will it will be into the NCAA tournament, perhaps, you know, assuming Duke gets this far the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, um, because I, I think he's got something similar to what Zion had, which is, you know, a, a, a knee injury that's probably a couple weeks or so. Here's the stat, though. In 18 ACC games, Duke has had their healthy starting five. I'm not just talking healthy guys on the bench. Starting five. Mm-hmm. Duke's starting five has only been available for half the games. Yep. I, I mean, that's all you need to know about this season. We, we've we've seen, I mean, Cam Reddish missed a game. Trey Jones missed a few games. Uh, and, and, of course, we've had the situation with Zion Williamson now. And, uh, and it's clearly affected Duke's ability to be all we can be. Um, the remarkable thing is that we're still pretty clearly one of the top teams in the country. And all signs are pointing to Zion Williamson returning 
uh, uh, next week for the ACC tournament. Coach K has said that's what he expects to happen. Coach K even said after the game that Zion would be a full participant in practice um, starting on Monday this week. So uh, assuming there's no setback, oh my God, fingers crossed that there's no setback, I, I, I think we get him back. Will we miss Marquise Bolden? Yes, I think Bolden, you know, has shown at times this year um, that, that he's an excellent, excellent rim protector. He's done a pretty decent job of rebounding, um, and and you know, he, he's a valuable part of the team. He's not Zion Williamson, and, and I think Javon Delorier um, can can make up for a lot of what Marquise Bolden does uh, if we're without Marquise for the ACC tournament. The key, of course, is is getting Zion back because. As we've seen repeatedly, without Zion on the floor, Duke just doesn't have enough options on offense, and we aren't as aggressive on defense. And, I mean, that was on full display against Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I want to say this. When when Marquise went down, um, I was at the, the Duke DC watch party, and everyone just basically was just yelling, oh, not again. Because this, like you said, this happens – Every single game, it seems like. But I, I do want to credit the team for their resilience because I thought after Marquise went down for the rest of the first half, they played with a lot of heart and tenacity to, you know, have a two-point lead at halftime because those sort of things, they like they like we've said a lot of times on this podcast, they shell shock you. And the team just doesn't know how to react to that. And every, you know, most of the losses that we've had started as a result of somebody getting hurt us having to throw our game plan out of the window. So uh, I, I do want to credit the team for their resiliency. But in the second half, the adjustments made by UNC, uh, especially inside, were really what killed us. And then they also got hot from outside. We just couldn't match that. You know, they were six for eight from three to start the second half. And it seemed like every shot they were sh- shooting went in. I think our in the end, uh, our, our, our field goal percentage which is terrible, 34% for, for the game from the floor. That's two-pointers and three-pointers. So we're not hitting our two-pointers. I know our three-pointers, we hit eight of 32, which is kind of a decent number for us. But if we're not hitting our wait, 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 it's 25%. I mean, yeah, it's not. I'm talking our... in, in numbers. It, it, like hitting eight threes for us is is a pretty, you know, that's yeah. kind of standard for what we're doing this year. Yeah, although, I, I mean, statistically, the difference in this game if you look at the stats, you can go across the board. You know, the rebounding battle was fairly similar. Neither team mm-hmm. turned the ball over very much. Mm-hmm. Neither team shot, like, lights out um, great. I mean, we we hit 34%. Carolina hits 40%. Um, the difference in the game was from three, and Carolina was 12 of 31. They took one less three-pointer and hit four more three-pointers. Mm-hmm. They win by nine, and they outscored us by 12 at the three-point line it's kind of hard not to go, okay, well, that's where the difference in the game was. Um, and and let, let me hone in on one section of the game. Um, it started at the 12-minute mark. The game was tied at 50. And Carolina would go on to outscore Duke 22-10 to 10 over the next five minutes mm-hmm. to take control of the game. And of those 22 points, Kobe White either scored or assisted on 19 of the 22 points. Um, the only points that he didn't directly cause was, was one rebound basket and, um, and Garrison Brooks got fouled and hit one out of one out of two. Uh, and, and so basically other than that, over a span of five minutes, Kobe white just absolutely went on a 
a you know a, a crazy hot run. He is. Uh, we we talked last game about uh, what a great job Trey Jones did controlling Kobe White. Um, and uh, this game, you know, not not as much. I mean, when Kobe White feels it, he is he is one of the best. You know, he may be the best point guard in the country. Um, when, when he's, when he's on and when he's, you know, I guess he's not, he's not better than Jay Morant at Murray state. So, uh, sorry, I'll put that aside. He's, <laughs> he, but he's a heck of a player, uh, and, and, and really had a, an amazing second half for Carolina. And, and I think more than anything else, he's the reason they won. Hey, did you see that move he had? He had one layup where he, he juked Trey and mm-hmm. then went behind his back to leave RJ like jaw on the floor, like, where'd he go? And then he did a spin move at the end past Cam Reddish for a layup. I mean, it was one of the finest one on, you know, one on three plays you'll see any guard in college basketball make this year to, to, to juke Trey Jones, leave RJ, like I said, absolutely flat footed and then spin past Cam Reddish. Damn. I mean, that, that kid got hats off to Kobe white. Um, he played, he played really fabulous. Yeah. And, and, that really paced their team, like you said, especially during that stretch of the second half. When he was on, the whole team was lighting up. Uh, you had Kenny Williams doing stuff that Kenny Williams is not supposed to do and, and was car- you know, causing a lot of plays to happen. And that momentum is something that they fed off of, and they fed off that uh, that energy from the crowd that they had too, uh, hey, which hey, was pretty hey, loud hey, at times. The, the Kenny Williams defense – so Kenny Williams is a great defender, and Jay Billis was – I, well, I'm not going to describe what Jay Billis was doing because it would require me to talk about some um, bad words. Uh, but uh, Jay Willis was making love to Kenny Williams' defense. Let's just put it that way. Um, because Kenny Williams drew three charging calls um, on R.J. Barrett. Uh, and, and those were real difference makers in the game. Yep. Um, but did you notice Seth Davis, uh, who who is a Duke graduate, but Seth Davis, like Jay Billis, like Jay Williams – like a lot of Duke guys who get into the media, Seth Davis does not become a Duke homer. If you, you know, if you listen to Seth Davis talk on television, he's on CBS. If you watch his Twitter feed, he is not a Duke homer. But Seth Davis during this game actually tweeted, as usual, Duke is getting hosed by the refs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, again, I, I, I think Seth Davis is very objective. Jay, Jay Billis thought that Kenny Williams was playing incredible defense. I thought of Kenny Williams' three charging calls, at least two of them were beyond questionable. I, I, oh, I thought yeah. they, were ter- they were terrible calls. Yeah. He was clearly moving. I, I understand when you're facing the defender, you don't have to be holding still. But he moved into the path of where R.J. Barrett was going. Um, yeah, And he it was dropping at the sh- same time. Yeah, and and yeah, his shoulders were square to RJ and and props for that, but that's not a charge. It's just not a charge. You cannot move into the path of the offensive guy. That's not the way the rule is written. Um, two, it was Ken- two words, two words for that. TV Teddy. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the officiating in this game was terrible, and and I'll tell you something. It wasn't just those charging calls. And and folks, you know, if you listen to this podcast. We do not complain about the refs a lot. I don't come on here and say the refs hosed Duke. Um, I, I really don't. So, so the fact that I'm going to say it now, I, I hope will carry some weight. Uh, I, I thought they they allowed the teams to to play too much. They weren't calling fouls. They weren't calling contact fouls on guys 
driving to the basket and and putting up shots. Um, Carolina is is a more physical team than Duke, especially when we don't have Zion Williamson. Carolina is a much deeper team than Duke, especially when we're missing two starters and the way our bench has struggled mightily this season. Um, so playing a deeper game, playing a more physical game, it favors Carolina in a very big way when the referees sort of go, eh, I'm just going to put this whistle in my pocket and not blow it, except for when R.J. Barrett is charging. So and and I think that had a big impact. So when uh during the game last night I was I was minding the DBR Twitter at DBRSBN for those of you who want to follow. Uh and I, I mentioned at a certain point when RJ picked up his fourth foul that Teddy Valentine is inserting himself into the game in a way that no one should like. And it's for the reasons you just mentioned, because everyone became timid, and especially RJ. There was a couple of drives after that where he could go all the way to the rim. But because someone was standing underneath the basket, he stopped short because he knew he had four fouls and he knew that they had been calling that all game long, no matter where he was on the floor. And he didn't want to go and barrel into somebody, even if they were standing inside the cylinder. So that made him timid. And when he did that, you know, there was a couple of wide open layups that he could have had or, or even dunks that he stopped short and did like an eight footer and and rimmed that out. So and UNC is going the other way. That sort of psyche really, you know, took RJ out of the game late because he couldn't be his full self. And when you're thinking about, uh, you know, refs, and we like you said, we don't talk about the refs a lot, but when the refs make it so that you can't play your game, that is going to break you down more than any crowd ever will. Uh, well, and and RJ had very little help this game in the second half, especially. I mean, Duke shot just. 23% after halftime, just 23% in the second half. Um, and and Cam Reddish, I want to talk about Cam for a moment. Um, I, I thought he was incredibly assertive in this game, mm -hmm. uh, and he was great in the first half. He had like uh, either 17 or 19. I think it was 17 Hidden, in the first half. Points. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a huge half. Um, uh, and that's why Duke had the lead at halftime. I mean, Cam scored almost half of our first half points. Um, but then he only has six points in the second half. And and I think you saw Duke's lack of depth um, uh, come into play in this game. We ran out of gas late in the half. Um, Cam especially, I think, was uh, was 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 tired. Uh, and and look, he's had he's had trouble finishing through contact all season long. He needs to get stronger, both to both in terms of his stamina and in terms of his ability to absorb contact and finish through contact. Um, it, it, I mean, it's a bummer that we won't really get to watch him develop because he'll move on to the next level. He'll move on to the NBA after this season. Uh, of course he, of course he will. He's going to be, you know, a top five, top seven pick in the draft. And, and, uh, uh, you know, that's great for him, but it, 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 it was, it, it was a bummer to see sort of a lackluster second half after how great he was in the first half. But, but I'll say this, if we get this assertive and, and confident Cam Reddish, when Zion Williamson is back, Duke will cut down three more nets. We will cut down the nets at the ACC tournament. We will cut down the nets at the East Regional tournament. Yes, we will win the ACC and get the East Regional, and we will cut down the nets at the NCAA tournament. I I'm, I'm putting that out there. If you get an assertive and confident Cam Reddish, the, you know, the kind of Cam Reddish that's capable of putting up 20 points, um, then, then Duke will cut down three more sets of nets this season. Period. End of story.
Okay, we're going to put that game out of the way, and we're going to talk about Wake Forest. But before I do, I would be remiss if we did not mention our lovely sponsors and to thank them for uh, their support of the podcast. First off, Bird Campbell, PA, those boys down in Florida and Texas with all your business legal needs, uh, birdcampbell.com, Bird Campbell means business. And also GTHC, GTH.com for all of your go-to-hell Carolina gear. We're going to need that stuff, uh, even though we seem to be talking about losses. Uh, UNC, it, go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. And you can get all your apparel at gthcgth.com. Okay, Jason, uh, let's talk about the Wake Forest game. Uh, this was Tuesday night. and Do we have inexplic- to? <laughs> we're going to talk about it because we, we talk about everything on this podcast, apparently. Um but, you know, inexplicably, with 16 minutes and 20 seconds left in the game, Wake was up 49 to 39. Uh, Duke eventually stormed back uh, and then almost, almost inexplicably let Wake win. Uh, in the end, literally a, a, a jumper from eight feet rimmed out, and it was 71-70, Duke over Wake Forest. It was senior night. There was a lot of buzz. It was the last game in Cameron. We did not have Zion, obviously, for this game. but. What else happened in this game that was a struggle? Well, so the first thing is the the last second shot um, <laughs> that, that came about as close as you can to, to falling and not falling. I, I, I want to point out, and this is important to note, um, the referees don't go back and review um, a, a shot that misses to see if it would have been good if it had made if it had gone in. <laughs> That's just that's go, really hey, good for us. <laughs> hey, well, no, no, no. They go, hey, let's check because I looked at the replays and uh, it, it, he did not get the shot off in time. Um, uh, there, there are photos out there on the internet, folks. If you don't believe me, you can go look and find these photos that that show that the ball was clearly still on. Um, uh, the player's fingertips. I don't even remember who was it that take, took that shot for Wake. It was I didn't uh, see. I was watching uh, that game on my phone, so I, it was hard to see. I, I forget who it was that that took that rebound shot, but um, he 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 didn't get it off in time. Um, so it wouldn't have counted if it had gone in anyway. But I mean, you know, yeah, you have to start by tipping the cap to to Wake Forest. Um, they 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 played a, a good game, um, one of their better games for sure. They were especially effective on the boards. Um, you know, they hung right with Duke on the on the boards, which is a, a, a big deal um, for Wake Forest. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. You know, usually Wake has trouble holding on the ball. They only had nine turnovers. And look, this has been one of the hallmarks of the non-Zion Williamson Duke basketball this season. Um, without Zion, we, we don't get steals. We only had three steals against Wake. We don't block as many shots. We only um, uh, we, we only oh, actually, we had seven block shots in this game. Uh, so we block some shots against Wake, but for the most part, we don't get steals. We 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 don't block as many shots. But the big thing is, we really don't turn the other team over nearly as much. Um, and uh, Wake only had nine turnovers uh, against Duke, so you know they were. It allowed them to be reasonably efficient, and um, you know they 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 hit some key shots at times. And and Duke just it felt like we were sleepwalking. Um, we we honestly we didn't really deserve to win. I, I don't know how to say it other than that. I mean, Cam Reddish picked up. Three really bad charging calls. Uh, you know, I complained about the refs earlier. I, I I actually thought Cam's charging calls in this game were, you know, right on target. The referees were correct. Uh, it, you know, when a guy is standing still underneath the basket, out out of the restricted circle, and you and you run into him, that's a charge. <laughs> and and Cam picked up three of those um, uh, in the first half. 
and and it meant that uh, you know I, I talked about how assertive Cam was against UNC. Well, he was the opposite against Wake Forest, and I, I'm not throwing Cam Reddish under the bus. Um, uh, I, I I get that he's you know a freshman, and uh, the adjustment to to the physicality of college ball has has not been easy for him. Um, and you know he has good games and he has poor games. And against Wake Forest, he had a poor game. You know, it's not going to play great every time. Um, and without Zion and with Cam not playing great, it, it meant that R.J. Barrett, you know, took almost half of Duke's shots. I mean, there there was no one else really to shoulder the load. So you know, R.J. went out there and 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 kept on firing. We we didn't hit our threes as usual, um, but R.J. still picked up twenty eight points. Um, and and the weird thing was the free throw shooting. Um, R.J. Barrett's been a fairly decent free throw shooter for Duke this year, but he was just six of fourteen at the free throw line. Whew. So uh, so that, you know that that's one of the things that allowed Wake Forest to stay close. And um, yeah, yeah, this was just it 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 was not a game that is memorable. It's not a game I feel like talking about all that much because yeah. Duke just we didn't play all that well. Um, you know, the frustrating thing this whole season, uh, to some extent, has has been the, the supporting cast and and their ups and downs. Um, ah, God. You know, the Alex O'Connells, the Jack Whites, the Javin Deloriers, Marquise Bolden, for that matter, uh, who's who's been a starter most of the season. Each one of them has had games, um, maybe even a stretch of two or three games where they play really well. But they've also had maddening stretches of games where they uh, they really haven't played well. Um, none of them have been at all consistent on offense. And um, I, I know that they are role players. I know that they're they're not guys who have the skill set to to carry a team to be a you know to be a, the main offensive force. Um, but God, it's just it's so frustrating that uh, among those four guys. We can't at least have one of them playing fairly consistently. Um, they've been so up and down. I mean, I can't tell from game to game which one of them is going to play well and which ones are not going to play well. I mean, against Carolina, none of them really played well. I mean, Jack and Javin, they rebounded well um, and they protected the rim, I guess, a little bit. But, you know, neither one of them – Javin's not going to do anything on offense. He's going he's gonna to get dunks when, when guys feed him the ball under the basket wide open. It, it's it's been frustrating, and so the, the Wake Forest was a game, like I said, Cam Reddish was struggling. Um, R.J. Barrett couldn't hit his free throws, and you know, no one else really stepped up all that much. Trey Jones ended up with 13 points. You know, I, I, Trey had a good game, 13 points and eight eight rebounds. He, uh, you know, uh, but uh, there wasn't enough from everyone else uh, in this game against Wake Forest, and as a result, we almost lost what could have been. That that would have been a pretty disastrous loss. Uh, I I would I would be really I'd be getting concerned about Duke seeding if if we'd managed to lose that 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 game. But but we didn't. We held on. Um, I don't know. There's not much I can say about it. We we just we didn't play well. And and I, I want to get Zion Williamson back. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this. You know, looking at this game, and also you know when you're looking at UNC, the field goal percentage that we have is really the the, the cause for concern when Zion's not in the lineup. I mean, we were at 41% for uh, for the game against Wake, 34% against UNC. And, and when we're talking about field goal percentage, we want that number to be closer to, you know, over 50, but if not close to 50. 
um, because you want to be making half of your shots. If you're making half your shots with the number of shots that we take, that's why we score so many points. That's in, and also on top of all that, you get to the line, uh, you have more opportunities for free throws, and hopefully you try to make them against Wake. We didn't. Um, we were 60 for 26, but you want that number to be closer to 70, 75%. For this team to really be successful, they have to be more efficient with the basketball and, and take shots that they know will go in. Um, it, it, when we're taking 22 threes, knowing that we're only going to get about you know 30% of them in, um, that's not efficient basketball. And, and you know, with Zion in the game, at least with with Zion, he's going to be able to you know go right into the lane and, and get the you know get to the lack and have easy buckets or go to the free throw line. We have a chance to make free throws. So we want to have those type of things in, in the ACC tournament, which we'll talk about in just a second. We want to have those games where we're shooting 50% from the floor because if we're shooting 50% from the floor, all these other things are kind of going to fall into place. It, it, may, it may be where we don't need to have, uh, you know, 10 threes uh, because we're not, that's something that really, we really can't rely on this year. Um, but if we shoot 50%, then teams are going to have a really hard time staying with us, even if they're shooting all threes. And I think that is the key. If we can be, come back to the efficient team that we were earlier in the season, this team will be okay. This episode of the DBR podcast is brought to you by those fine gentlemen at Bird Campbell PA, your Duke-centric law firm with law offices in Florida and Texas. If you or anyone you know are in search of legal needs for in the business world, you need to call those boys from Bird Campbell PA. Uh, hit them up on their website, birdcampbell.com. That is B-Y-R-D-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. Bird Campbell means business. Okay, fans, we are putting this past week out of our minds because the postseason is here. That is right. We will begin on Thursday with the ACC tournament down in Charlotte. We have drawn the third seed, which means we will get either the either Syracuse or the winner of Boston College and Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Game time, roughly 9 to 9.30, but you know how these things work with TV. It'll probably be closer to 10 o'clock, uh, but... We now have a chance to win an ACC championship, uh, and we'll have Zion back. You know, Coach K has reported that and said after the game last night that Zion will be full practice on Monday and ready to go by the start of the ACC tournament, uh, at least for Duke. Duke has earned the double bye, being the third seed. The, the tournament actually begins on Tuesday. So, Jason, we have Zion back. We know where we are. You know, it lines up where we could – Again, see UNC in the semifinal if we get that far. How do we win this ACC championship? I mean, if if Duke is the team that we were before Zion got hurt, we're going to win the ACC tournament. I, we can stop the discussion there if you want. I, <laughs> I, there's no question about that. Uh, the Duke team that beat Virginia twice, the Duke team that had Zion Williamson and was at full health, um, was the best team in the country. There's no one who disputes that. Um, in fact, you know, if you look at the advanced metrics, that Duke team was one of the best teams we've seen in college, college basketball in the past two decades. It was like, you know, top two, top three 
in all of college basketball over the past couple decades. So uh, getting Zion back and having him hopefully play close to the way he used to play means so much for this team in terms of having options on the floor, um, on offense, and being a terrifying force again on defense. And I've said it several times in this podcast. I think we're missing Zion as much at the defensive end as we are at the offensive end. That we're uh, This Duke team was one of the top three, top five teams in the country on both offense and defense when we had Zion. And and it was the combination of those two things and, and especially the way we were able to turn teams over, protect the rim, and terrify teams on defense that we're not able to do without him. Um, I've, again, I've said it before, he has a gravity. Um, the game uh, is forced to feel his presence on the floor, and, and we've missed him. Uh, talking about the ACC bracket, I, I actually like the way it, it shapes up for us because the, the Carolina game, the only thing that that Carolina game did was it meant one team would be, you know, would, would face – the winner of the Louisville Georgia Tech Notre Dame game, and the other team would face the winner of the Syracuse Boston College Pitt game. So it's basically, do you want Louisville or do you want Syracuse? And if you ask me that, having nothing to do with what seed you get, are you the number two or number three seed? Do you want Louisville or do you want Syracuse? I would take Syracuse all day. Um, Louisville, we've seen, is a good team. Louisville played a full strength Duke Blue Devils and had us on the ropes, had us dead to rights. 99.9% chance we were losing that game. Um, we all know what happened, but that's a good Louisville team. They just played Virginia at Virginia, neck and neck. I mean, Louisville had every chance to win that Virginia game uh, a couple days, uh, sorry, yesterday um, uh, against Virginia. So this is a very, very good Louisville team. Um, it's a team that struggled to close out games, but but they're a quality team. So I am very happy to get Syracuse. Um, I, I actually think, I mean, even though Syracuse has given Duke some trouble this year because they've happened to get us at times when injuries have really been bothering us. Um, I, 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 I like Duke against Syracuse a lot more than I like us against Louisville. Uh, so, so I think, and, and after that game, assuming you win, um, you get the rematch with Carolina, um, Carolina having to beat this Duke team three times in a row, I think, uh, is, is going to be hard to see. And, um, and I can't wait for them to finally face Zion Williamson. Um, I don't think they have, uh, we said in the pregame, before the first game, they, the Carolina doesn't have an answer for Zion Williamson. Um, there are very few teams that do. And I am eager to see Zion get a chance to play the Tar Heels. Um, in terms of the, the rest of the bracket, um, you know, watch that NC State-Clemson game uh, that is at noon on Wednesday. Uh, the The... The pundits out there would tell you that the team that wins that game will make the NCAA tournament. The team that loses that game is going to be biting their fingers and very, very nervous and looking at the bubble. Um, I, I, I actually think they both will probably end up making it. It's not a strong bubble this year. There aren't, there aren't a lot of teams out there that have really put up resumes that you go, oh, that team deserves to be in the tournament. Um, so I, I, I think the ACC is getting nine, but certainly the winner of that NC State-Clemson game is going to feel a lot, lot, lot better about their chances. Um, and I, I actually think there may even be a little bit of an argument that Syracuse might be a little bit on the bubble. They didn't close the season super strong. Um, uh, their, their, their net rating, you know, the, the NCAA has this new metric, the net. 
Yeah. Syracuse is is 46 in the net, which is not great. I mean, you, you, you'd like to be above 40 um, in terms of, uh, you know, making the NCAA tournament. By the way, NC State and Clemson are both in the two. Clemson is 35, uh, at, you know, at the moment we're recording. So I, I actually think NC State and Clemson, even though their ACC record was worse than Syracuse, may be in slightly better shape than Syracuse in terms of making the tournament. But those those are the teams that that sort of need to perform well um, in the ACC. And uh, and Syracuse, unfortunately, will have the task of performing well um, first against Boston College or Pitt, but but then against Duke. Um, and and, and Virginia is almost certainly going to come out of the top half of the bracket. If you if you ask me for a surprise team from the top half of the bracket, uh, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they have a chance to beat Florida State, uh, a decent chance, and, and I think they'll have a chance to perhaps beat Virginia as well. But I think it's pretty likely Virginia is going to come out of the top half. Virginia has lost to exactly zero teams not named Duke this year. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another Duke-Virginia matchup in the ACC championship. Yeah, so when we're talking about this ACC tournament, we're, we're obviously thinking about the NCAA tournament in this. And – when you look at the one seed line and the two seed line, we're looking at three teams and we're looking at Duke, Virginia, and UNC, uh, the top three teams in the conference. And when it comes to that, I, I personally think that the winner of the ACC tournament, uh, if it's one of those three teams, that team will get the East in, in the one seed and be in DC. But also on top of that, they would also get Columbia, South Carolina as the first in second round pod. That is what all three of these teams are shooting for. And, and for Duke, in this ACC tournament, it's, it's a chance where we can say, okay, committee, we've you've had your fun, and now we have the best team in basketball. Our best player is back. And we're going to see what Duke can play like in a NCAA-type setting. Uh, and when that happens, uh, we want to see – how explosive Duke can be just like they were early in the season when really nobody uh, save Gonzaga, like the fourth, fifth game of the season could stop us. So uh, I think that is what we're looking for in, in, in this ACC tournament. Now for this bracket, how it's set up. I do like that. Uh, I think I, I, I kind of want to push back on Syracuse being on the bubble uh, right now. Lenardi has him as a nine seed. Um, and I think when you're a nine seed, that means you're safely in. But yes, they probably shouldn't lose to Boston College or Pittsburgh. But I think if they do beat uh, whoever comes out of there, we have a really good chance, uh, or they have a they have a, a pretty good chance of of making the tournament easily and not being in one of those last few spots um, given out. But I do think NC State uh, has a chance right now. They're one of the last four in, according to Lenardi. NC State, Clemson, uh, and even Boston College, uh, while we're looking at it, and Georgia Tech have a chance to, you know, get a couple of wins and, and really solidify uh, their place in the NCAA tournament. Because the great thing about uh, the ACC for these teams, every night, if you're beating somebody, you're beating a really, really good team. So they have a chance to really make up some ground and really just take take the decision out of the committee's hands and say, this is a team that deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, Don, Donald, I, I love you, man. Georgia Tech and BC ain't getting in. Uh, they, they could <laughs> They, they I mean, could they, have, could. They, could, they could have a couple upsets. I mean, Georgia Tech and, and BC could upset Duke and Carolina and make the ACC semis. They could even make the ACC finals. I don't think either one of those teams – they're they're both ranked outside the top 
100 in the net rankings. Georgia Tech's 117. Boston College is 127. These teams are not going to the NCAA tournament. I mean, well, unless they unless they win the ACC, but Georgia Tech and BC are not winning the <laughs> ACC. Uh, let's uh, hope not, because that yeah. would really that would really put a monkey wrench in our plans, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. So you you talked about the NCAA tournament. There is more and more talk. Look, I'm the one who started this <laughs> a week ago, and I said the ACC could get three number one seeds. Yep. And uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people would have been like, "What, really?" Um, th- there's more and more talk that the ACC could, could get three number one seeds. Um, you know, a lot because you discount what has happened to Duke the past four games, um, uh, 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 five games, sorry, of, of Zion Williamson being out. Um, you know, you, you put a huge, huge discount on those games. But um, I, the other thing that's happened is teams that sort of were making the play. Uh, look, Gonzaga is a number one. Virginia is a number one. I think those two things are givens um, at this point. It's just a matter of where. Like, Gonzaga probably has the West. We're really talking about the Midwest, South, and East. Right, right. Um, So those two teams are number one seeds. Uh, The the other teams that sort of be contenders alongside Duke and Carolina for number one seeds, for the most part, are doing us favors by losing games. I mean, Tennessee Tennessee lost. Um, And I, I, I think there's... You know, Tennessee may be out of the play, out of out of running for a number one seed. Kentucky is still very much in the running, but I think Kentucky probably needs to win the SEC tournament to solidify it. Um, Michigan just lost to Michigan State. Last week, Michigan State lost a game. I'm not sure that anyone from the Big Ten is getting a number one seed. Uh, the only, I, I guess, maybe if Michigan State wins the Big Ten tournament, maybe. But I, I don't know, even that. I think it'd be difficult. Michigan State swept Michigan. So I think Michigan is out. Um, and if you ask me, I'm just not sure there are that many contenders other than Duke and UNC and Kentucky. So yeah. if, if Kentucky doesn't win the SEC, uh, right now, in my opinion, the default is that Duke and UNC, along with Virginia and Gonzaga, are the number ones. I, I just think that's the way that it looks right now. I, I think so too. They haven't released any updated like projections or anything like that with regards to bracketology. But I I think you're right. I think like I said, I think the winner of, of those three, whoever wins the ACC tournament, will get the East. Uh, I, I agree. Think the, I, think I agree. I think the one right who gets that, the yeah. second furthest. Uh, I think after that they'll review uh, records and and kind of head to head because they've all played each other uh, to see who gets the South. And, and you know that's the, where it's going to be interesting because you have. One, you have Kentucky vying for that South because they want to be in Louisville because, duh. Uh, and then you also have, you know, UNC who has beaten us twice. Duke has beaten Virginia twice. Virginia has beaten UNC once. And so it's going to be basically about what team do they think is better. And there's a couple of clear avenues they could go. Uh, but, yeah, I think if if Kentucky doesn't win the SEC uh, championship, if uh, if Michigan State doesn't win the Big Ten championship, then I think it really just does set the set the uh, pace for uh, Duke, UNC, and Virginia to claim those other three number one seeds, and it'll just be a matter of where they go. Yeah, and, and I think that what you're probably going to see is the loser of the Duke-UNC game goes to the Midwest, probably with, uh, you know, perhaps as a number two seed to Kentucky number one, but but perhaps with Kentucky as the number two seed. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, or the other possibility is that, uh, you know, that whoever wins the Big Ten, Michigan, Michigan State, or perhaps even Purdue 
is the number two um, out there in the Midwest. And 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 then yeah, the the loser of the ACC finals um, is is going to be the number one in the South, whether that's Virginia, whether that's Duke, whether that's North Carolina, um, and. You know, we're, we're you know we're getting too far into the weeds of bracketology. We'll we'll know everything <laughs> in Next, like a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a week. Um, but it's gonna be you know another fun, exciting ACC tournament. Um, uh, although the, I mean the ACC feels pretty top heavy. Uh, usually, I'm able to look at the bracket and and you can spot a lot of potential upsets. I I, I don't know. I just don't see a lot of upsets out there um, because the top three in the ACC have been so dominant. You know, Duke, UNC, and Virginia, other than Duke losing inexplicably to Syracuse when, you know, we had multiple guys hurt, um, I, you know, it's like the only games that Duke, UNC, and Virginia have lost have been games against each other for the most part. So uh, those those three teams are, are making the semifinals. And and then I, I don't I think Florida State and Virginia Tech have have set themselves apart from most of the rest of the conference as well. So um, uh, I, it'll be an exciting tournament. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of upsets. I, that's just sort of the way it feels to me. Um, I I do think it will be easily the best conference tournament on TV this week. Of course, it'll be the one I'm watching. That's for sure. Damn straight. The DBR podcast is brought to you by GTHCGTH.com. And as any Duke fan knows, this stands for Go to Hell, Carolina, Go to Hell. And it is the go-to website for hats, T-shirts, and other apparel that shows off your true feelings for those cheaters 12 miles down the road. We should probably add that this entire thing is a brainchild of one of the most beloved Blue Devils of all time, Kenny Denard, a man who has fought in the trenches against those hellbound Tar Heels. So do Kenny a favor and check out GTHC gth.com we know you will see something you like he's even added a few more items for you to scream go to hell carolina go to hell okay jason as usual we will wrap up with uh our player of the week and our parting shots first give me who you got for player of the week rj barrett i mean i, I i'm not sure there's anyone else who's Zion Williamson out. R.J. Barrett has had to shoulder the offensive load. He he does the most creating. He's picking up more and more assists. Uh, this week he had 26 points against Carolina, 12 rebounds, four assists. I mean, wow, that's that's just a huge huge line uh, against Wake Forest. He was our only offense. He had 28 points against Wake, five rebounds, four assists again. Led the team in assists against Wake Forest. There's no other candidate I can think of other than RJ Barrett. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm doing that as well because, uh, like you said, it's Player of the Week. Uh, and, and even though I thought Cam Reddish had a really good game uh, for most of the first half and some of the second half against UNC, uh, RJ had a great week um, uh, against Wake and UNC. So mine is going to RJ Barrett. All right, it's parting shots time. And Jason, what do you got for me? So this past week um, was the ACC Women's Tournament, and the Duke women uh, lost in the second round. They finished the season 15-15. and 15. I want to repeat that if you haven't been paying attention. The Duke women's basketball team went 15-15. and 15. 
Donald, do you know the last time the Duke women did not finish the season above five? By the way, we will not. Duke will not be playing in any postseason this year. We won't go to the NIT. We won't go to the NCAA tournament. 15 and 15, we're done. The season's over. Donna, when do you think was the last time the Duke women didn't win more than half of their games? Uh, I'm going to guess 1993. Did you did you look that up? No, I didn't. Come on. How'd you know that? It was 1993. Hey, it's a good guess, huh? Yeah. At I'm the man. 20, 26 <laughs> years ago, 1993. I wish Sam was on the podcast right now because I can bet Sam doesn't remember anything that happened in 1993. He was, what, like three years old, four years old, Probably, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. 1993, 26 years. Here's some perspective for you. The last time Duke wasn't better than 500 in hoops, Bill Clinton had just taken the oath of office. We had just begun the first Clinton administration. <sighs> That's whack. What has happened? What has happened to Duke women's hoops is just sad. And um, on, you know, and so, the, and funny thing is, is inexplicably they have beaten UNC twice. Yeah, uh, but you know what? I, and and yes, I'm glad that Coach McCallie managed to beat UNC twice, but that's not enough. Um, Duke has now lost 53 games over the past seasons under Coach McCallie. 53 games in five seasons. You know the final five years of Gail Gostencourse? We lost 17 total games. I mean, Duke has the facilities, has the reputation, has all the recruiting ability to be a top 10 program in women's hoops pretty much every year. And at one time, um, Joanne McCallie was bringing in elite recruits all the time. She brought in McDonald's All-Americans. Well, for the second straight season, we're not bringing in a single recruit that ESPN ranks among the top 50 in the country. Um, amazingly, I, I don't know how, but amazingly, at the start of the 2017 season, Kevin White gave Joanne McCallie a four-year contract extension. So she will be Duke's head coach until 2021 unless – some booster wants to pony up, you know, millions of dollars to get rid of her, um, which seems highly, highly unlikely. And so I'm afraid if you look at what's been happening in the program over the past five years or so, Duke will continue to waddle along as one of the bottom half of the ACC, far, far, far worse than the Duke women should be for two more seasons. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs, but, uh, you know, I think we have to endure two more seasons of Joanne McCalley leading the Duke basketball program. Um, and I suspect then she will be gone and Duke will move on. And hopefully we'll get back to what we were for a long time, a team that perennially, you know, making Sweet 16, Elite Eights, Final Fours, playing for national titles in the top 10 all the time. Um, I, I just think it's sad that Duke was 15 and 15 this season. And looking at the past several seasons, this wasn't like some huge, huge aberration. This is what it looks like Duke is going to be going forward for the next couple of seasons under Joanne McCalley. I'm sorry. I don't want to throw a coach under the bus like that. Um, we, we like, we are Duke fans. We want Duke to succeed, but Joanne McCalley is not getting the job done. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, and it's funny because uh, that you mentioned women's basketball, because my parting shot also deals with women's basketball and deals with a member of the Duke family. Uh, Moni Curry. Uh, you guys remember Moni Curry. She was Mo. The, she was the, bomb in, in college uh, and also has had a really, really great career uh, in the WNBA. Well, recently, about a week or two ago, she announced her retirement from the WNBA to begin 
a career at Nike. Uh, I'm not sure what she's doing at Nike, uh, but uh, a 12-year career that started in Charlotte and ended right here in D.C. with the Washington Mystics, where she's from. Uh, she, she went to school uh, here in D.C. Uh, before going to Duke. Uh, so uh, congratulations to Mo on, on a ridiculously awesome career. It was fun to watch her play on TV. Uh, she's one of the, and, and even at Duke, she was one of the best players that Duke has ever had, in my opinion, in, in the women's program. She does not have her number retired, but if she had, I, I would definitely argue that she could uh, state a case to have her number retired uh, at Duke. But um, great career for Mo Curry and just want to give her a little shout out uh, as she begins her her next career uh, uh, with Nike uh, doing something that would probably be just as awesome as she is. So congrats Mo on the, uh, on the, on the achievements on the career and best of luck on the next chapter uh, of your career. And that is going to do it for episode 152 of the Duke basketball report podcast. Uh, reminder folks, you can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Google play stitcher radio or soundcloud. Please subscribe, leave us some reviews. It makes us feel nice and warm. Uh, guys, get ready. Zion's coming back next week is going to be our selection show uh, appearance. We are going to do stuff probably just after uh, at some point after the selection show next Sunday uh, to see where Duke is going and what a road to a national championship could look like. So for now, for for Sam, who is off yonder uh, in Europe, for, uh, for Jason in Atlanta, I am Donald here in D.C. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week, and I'll let the Duke band take us home.